Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Hi, friends. Welcome to the weekly Pantheon Plus podcast, The Rewind. We've got some fantastic stuff to talk about today from Visionary Realms and the community around our favorite upcoming MMO, Pantheon Rise of the Fallen. We've got a lot to go through today, including a recap of the recent developer stream, some Pantheon Plus updates, refer friend concerns, and finally, at long last, the finale of the bait, part two. This is Desrin, and with me is my marvelous co-host, Theric. Put your hype hats on. This is going to be an awesome rewind. All right. Yeah. Another week. And this is an exciting week for us because we have an announcement to make. Um, and I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface by saying every week I usually get asked after this show um, how folks can support the Rewind if they can't make it to the premiere on Sundays. So um, until now, we haven't really had a way to do that. And I have had no answer for that. So um, that changes today. Because just before uh, the premiere here, our Patreon page, which I've mentioned a few times, I've sort of said it in passing a couple times in the past, um, has gone live. And uh, you can find a, a description uh, link in the video description, as well as in the audio show notes on our uh, podcast uh, hosting site. Um, now, I've balked a little bit at the idea of doing a Patreon before. There's a couple of reasons which I won't get into, but um, mostly just because, you know, it's a lot to manage sometimes and I just don't need another thing to do. But this was important because um, I'll, I'll share a little bit of a peek behind the curtain for everybody out there. The Rewind usually gets about 500 views in a week on, on YouTube and about 100 or so downloads on the audio version. And that's so that's like way more than we get for the premiere, usually 30, 40, 50 people for the premiere. So it's a lot of people that haven't had a chance to interact or, or support the show or feel connected to the show in some way. So I felt strongly that that should exist. And, and we didn't really want to change the show in any way. So when I set up this Patreon, it's it's very simple. There's two tiers on the Patreon page. There's Recruit, which is 10 bucks a month, and there's Adventurer, which is 20 bucks a month. Now, recruits get their name on a graphic at the end of the show, which I've included actually at the end of this episode, so you can see an example of what I'm talking about. And Adventurers, it's just like it is now with a shout-out and their Pantheon race and class on the Adventuring Party graphic at the start of the show. Now, of course, anyone who donates during the premiere is still in the adventuring party, no matter what amount, that's not going to change. And the other thing that's important to mention is that the rewind is always going to be free, that none of this is required. This is simply options for you as the audience, as the viewer, listener, as ways of showing support and becoming a part of the show, which we really is the most important thing to me, mm -hmm. right? So Desert, I know you and I talked about this during the week. I sort of said, what do you think? You know, kind of hummed and hawed, but um, I think we came to a consensus that this gives the audience and us a way to acknowledge everyone who follows the Rewind has made it something, Desiree, that you and I love to do each and every week. So if that sounds like something you might want to do, go check it out. Um, as always, any feedback is appreciated. And, you know, maybe, you know, we'll change up the tiers later on. Maybe we'll add to it, something like that. Who knows? But I, I hope everybody enjoys that and, and has a chance to uh, at least take a look at it and let us know what you think. So, Desrin, <laughs> having said that, do you want to introduce <laughs> our adventuring party for this week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go. We've got Shuriken on the Dwarf Cleric, Sparrow on the Elf Ranger, Bounty Code on the Human Wizard, Archbishop on the Darkmer Paladin, Daimlos on the Darkmer Enchanter, and just Jason <laughs> as the Scar Beard Lord. Yes. Scarbeard. All right. And of course, as usual, if you want to join the adventuring party uh, for next week, you can join us in the YouTube premieres, throw out a donation. And uh, if you're new, make sure to give us your Pantheon Racing class so we can put it on the graphic. Um, but as usual, uh, and always, I guess, uh, no pressure to donate. Uh, same with the Patreon, naturally. Uh, but the money does go to support the show and do fun stuff with the community, which is what I love. Like 
pledge giveaways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> pledge giveaways. Speaking of which, um, <clears throat> friend of the show, longtime uh, follower and sometimes 101 healer, <laughs> the great Vendini, our friend, donated a Legat pledge to the show for this week. And uh, to recap what that is for folks, it's a $100 value, gives you a whole bunch of uh, perks with your pledge, um, but most importantly, includes beta access for when that time comes in uh, Pantheon's development. So if you're here for the premiere, hit me up with the at Theric and the YouTube uh, play button emoji so I can throw your name in the hat and I will do the draw near the end of the show, probably right before the lore section starts. Uh, and uh, good luck to everyone out there for that. And we love doing those. And uh, I can't wait to see who gets it this week. So, Desrin, we have a huge show. Are you ready to get on with it? Yeah, absolutely. This week in Visionary Realms News and Notes. Okay, on Thursday, October 14th of this week, so we got the monthly developer stream from Visionary Realms. Now, this one was all about the HDRP, also known as the High Definition Rendering Pipeline. And this is something they've told us now it's fully functional. And Desrin, you and I have sort of talked about it on previous shows. We're waiting to get a closer look at it, waiting to get a closer look before we really knew what we could talk about with it. And um, we got that. And uh, that's what Joppa said. He said, this is a very significant milestone for the development of Pantheon, um, where the game's at in development. So the focus of this stream was on the tech and the tools their programmers are using. There's going to be another one. There's going to be a part two to this um, HDRP yeah. look, which is, we don't know when that's going to be right now, but they're gonna, that's going to be more of a final product kind of thing. This was more about the the... The wrenches and the hammers <laughs> that they use to do these things. <laughs> um, bit of a rare look, actually, inside how they game worlds are actually made. Um, we don't re- we, we don't usually get this from a game that's in development. So if you're into programming, like asset implementation, if you're looking at like design as a as a world builder, you're going to want to check this one out because it featured Kyle Olson and Rob Crane, uh, two of uh, Pantheon's programmers, giving us real time demonstrations of how they do their work for VR. Now. I would be a fool to try and start repeating what they said because I will butcher it horribly. I have no technical knowledge when it comes to this kind of stuff. So let's just avoid that. But we're going to do some of the takeaways. We're going to, you know, do some clarifications that uh, we got later on um, in the Pantheon Plus U show, which comes after the dev stream that we do. Um, Kyle and Joppa were both in chat for that. So there was a lot of good little clarifications yeah. dropped there. And then a couple of questions that Des, I think you and I both maybe have. Um, after reflecting on the stream from yesterday, well, yesterday, our time, <laughs> a few days ago for people listening to this on <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> anyway, the first point I want to make. You, you, you ratted us out there. <laughs> I, I always do that. I always do that. I have a terrible habit of breaking the fourth wall and ruining people's immersion. <laughs> anyway, the first point, the first takeaway that I want to talk about with you does is the switch from Houdini uh, to Gaia as their primary tool. So Joppa explained this as being a tool that they chose to use um, instead because they had some in-house expertise with it. There was better integration with Unity and they have a relationship with the Gaia developers. And then Kyle kind of added on to that saying, it allows for some handmade touches without having to redo entire scenes. And this is something that Houdini didn't allow for. So it's interesting because, um, you know, we talked about this on the show, but I want to ask you a question, Desmond. You know, when you heard this, were you um, feeling good about it? Did you have questions? Were you have any, did you have any concerns about this in terms of like, you know, the development of the game in terms of a timeline perspective? Ooh, as far as a timeline, um, honestly, when they brought up Gaia, um, which was actually a, a program that I had found out about um, late last year and started looking into a bit, um, I was like, oh my gosh, that totally makes sense. Um, uh, even though I know um, at least a couple projects that do use Houdini in game development for the purposes of what you know they're setting out to do, I think Gaia makes a lot, maybe even more sense. I mean, definitely even more sense <laughs> as they've adopted it because of that. But as far as timelines, I feel like it's not, if it is a setback, because obviously there was development time when it comes to Houdini, if it is a setback, I think it's it's kind of a 
you know, one step back, but two steps forward kind of a situation. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. And that was one of the questions when I was watching the stream that I had was, does this replace all the work that was done with Houdini? And it, and it certainly doesn't. And I think that we got some clarification actually from that during the stream. So I don't know if you're listening to this and you're hearing this for the first time, you're thinking, oh, I wonder, if, are they, is this like a redo? Is this a, you know, now we got to redo everything we did with Houdini now in Gaia. And I don't think that's the case because Joppa did say the King's Reach map does not need to be redone. And um, really the way that it was framed was we're now continuing the work that we've done previously just with this new tool. So it's not like going back and having to redo everything. And would you agree with me, Des, on that? Yeah. Yeah, and and keep in mind that this tool is what sets up the foundation of our our areas. Um, It's not necessarily what's doing the fine touches. It's more the groundwork to kind of expedite the, the, the start of the process going from gray box to modeled terrain right. uh so it, i think even jampa mentioned because the, the question was asked uh how long it took mm-hmm. you, know, you know how long uh, it would take and i it might have just been the uh thrown fast zone or it might have been that that mold of it was kind of like thrown fast and avendir's pass right. kind of squished together jampa was like you know i could pretty much crank that out in a day now yeah, right. <laughs> so uh and of course it's again not fine details but the the main terrain and kind of the groundwork for making zones and i feel like that's a testimony that i mean all faith in joppa of course but he's not a world designer he's right <laughs> there there are specific jobs for this and he is a very many <laughs> jack of many trades <laughs> yes, uh, yes. at this point and so if he if he can pull that off in a day, I'm even less concerned. Yeah, yeah that's a really good point. You know, the speed of development is is um, interesting because we see how fast they can do this now. My question as well, another question that I had that I thought of during the show was, you know, how does this compare to the speed of developing other areas of the game? So like combat mechanics, right? The perception system, all these other things. And we've seen streams with, you know, that have detailed that in, in some, you know, more or less. Um I just, I, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting to get a benchmark for what is the, you know, what is the speed on those compared to the time it takes to do this? Because I've said before, and I stand by it, that I think a lot of the underlying, um, the undercarriage of Pantheon is is pretty far along. I think the mechanics are there. I think a lot of the nuts and bolts of the programming is there. Um, and I think the world building is now where they're trying to push forward with. And again, this is my assessment, my interpretation of it. But um, I think the hard work is really done, not to not to discount world building as hard work, but I really think the hard, <laughs> um, how do you code the AI? How do you code the combat mechanics? You know, how do you do all these things? I think that's the right. majority of the work's been done there. I don't want to say the majority, but I think a lot of work's been done there. Yeah, I like to think that uh, Pantheon is much further along than we think in the sense of the things we can't see yet. Yeah. Uh, so that's why we get a lot of the same things that we can see because they've focused on the underlying, uh, you know, mechanics of everything. And, and it's one, honestly, one reason I faithfully follow the project is they're, they're focusing on what makes the game in, in the like most fine sense, what makes the game other than what you see on YouTube in, yeah. in a sense, yeah. you know? They, w- exactly, um, exactly. I couldn't agree with that more. You know, focusing on what's important first and then moving into an area that um, is important, but is not so important that if there's a mistake or if there's something that's not completed on it or, or even lacking in any way is not a game killer. You know, having a fundamentally flawed combat system is a game killer in a game like this right yeah and i think of it like if you try to bring in you know uh three programmers to try to fix a fundamentally broken combat system you know several years into the project uh you know or even like in alpha saying hey look okay we're, we're just finishing up guys and they look at it and they're like oh my gosh what a mess yeah, exactly um then that's going to be a, a very hard hurdle. 
But at this point, when all this groundwork is laid, uh, you just go, you know, talk to some world builders, uh, some artists, uh, prop artists, environmental artists, and designers, and say, hey, here are the tools. Here's how you use them, and uh, go crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's much easier to go that route, I think. Uh, and I, I think it's going to make it seem like progress gets a lot faster once those people are in that place, you know? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I, I agree with you for sure on that one. The next uh, part that I want to bring up is the uh, big sort of reveal that Pantheon's not going to have zone lines for the most part anymore. This is um, very <laughs> interesting, and, and I know a lot of people are excited about this, but there's also some naysayers or some some cautious folks out there because they noted that they're basically able to do away with zone lines altogether, although there will be some for dungeons, um, but otherwise yes. overland world is, is basically going to be seamless. There's no need for loading screens when you're just out there wandering around. What they what they said was the really the loading screens are going to be there for teleportation, you know, things when you were trying to, you know, Druid is sending you from King's Reach over to Rainfall. Um, but otherwise, otherwise, you know, loading screens are a thing of the past. And and I it took me like 24 hours for this to sink in for me. But like, that's pretty amazing, <laughs> you know. And I think Nathan Napalm did an awesome video on this, just sort of expressing <laughs> what this means to an MMO. Um, have you seen some of the reaction in the community to this, Des? I have. And it's so it's so interesting because I think on one hand, it's kind of exposing some latent desire <laughs> in some people <laughs> like myself that were like resigned to the fact we were going to have zones. And to me, it, you know, wouldn't necessarily take away from the experience. I would still really enjoy the game. But there's always just this nagging feeling that, man, if they're just if I could just look over there and go there and just know I'm not going to have anything stopping me uh, or like technical stopping me, um, it just changes things a little bit. And when he dropped that, because it seemed like he was leading up to it, you know, and then he was finally like, yeah, so just, just to lay this out, this is what we're doing. I was really excited. But then you've got a lot of people that are considering all the mechanical um, side effects, the name, namely like leashing, mob yes, leashing, yes. right? And so I, I'm very thankful for a lot of folks that are, you know, going beyond the like, oh my gosh, the world is, <laughs> it's going to be so expensive and amazing and no borders and, and all this, which is kind of where I was at. Yeah. <laughs> And starting to think about like, wait a second, like how is this actually going to affect us playing? <laughs> let, let me let me tell you something funny that I saw because I saw the same thing when people realized that the game just got a whole lot more difficult. You know, the game got a lot more difficult because there's no <laughs> zone lines to hide behind anymore. There's no zone lines that you can sort of use to your advantage in several different ways. And I saw a discussion in the uh, unofficial Discord. Uh, people were, com- you know, complain- some complaints, some people saying this is a drastic change from the vision. <laughs> and I, 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 I would disagree with that. But there was a lot of um, people that liked that mechanic of being able to use the zone line or, or at least having that security. Mm-hmm. And and Joppa um, <laughs> actually jumped into the unofficial Discord and made a, a funny comment. Because somebody was denying it, saying, no, I don't use it to my advantage. And he said, well, just like EQ, where you'd bring the mobs to the threshold of death, and then you'd zone, leaving them for another player to easily kill and power level farm, right? <laughs> With sort of the, you know, smiley face, sarcastic thing. You know, said in jest, <laughs> of course, but, um, you know, he's this, he's been around long enough to know that this is a very easily um, manipulated, manipulated mechanic or manipulated Mm-hmm. Uh, thing from MMOs that people have just been doing forever. And and to be honest, like to me, zone lines are a relic of the past. You know, like they feel like a relic. Um I think we've moved forward from them. And I'm I'm super excited about this too. I, I like you said, the exploration aspect, but as well as the immersion, the the realism, the lack of the challenge getting there is exciting to me. So Yeah. And and I mean Joppa's already like producing um like ideas but you know concepts of how you know these 
issues that people are bringing up are probably going to be solved already. Like with leashing, they're already talking about, you know, that's something they could fairly easily just have different parameters for the mobs, you know? So like some mobs might be easy to, to shake off some, some might not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, that adds even more to gameplay. Um, whereas like zone lines are really just there or not. Um, and I, I do have to be just super clear though, as far as it has been said, we are still going to have the zone in zone out for dungeons. So you will have that safety net. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I, guess. I guess dungeon. Uh, there still will be a train to zone. <laughs> it's still going to be there. It's going to be, yes, that those dungeon entrances are actually going to be important places. Um, Socially, I think for a lot of different reasons now, <laughs> because they will be the refuge for a lot of folks. So, you know, a refuge for a lot of mobs, yeah. you mean. <laughs> a graveyard for a lot of folks, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, and then the last point I want to bring up uh, as we uh, recap the dev stream here is awesome point uh, about the map or potentially maps. Um, so Sparrow, our trusty adventure party stalwart, <laughs> managed to, uh, when she came on Pantheon <laughs> Plus U, she um, managed to squeeze a bit of a bean from Joppa. Um, she noticed that these really large terrain shots that they were showing would make awesome in-game maps. And not the, like, you are here kind of thing, just a natural, uh, like you described it when you came on the show, I think, or in chat, you said it was a satellite map, which I think is a perfect way of mm -hmm. uh, visualizing it. Um, so I reflected on on what VR has said about maps in the game and, you know, during the show and, and that being that there there will be an in-game map, but there's no mini map. And Joppa came into chat and actually clarified. And here's what he said. He said, I know there's been a lot of murkiness out there about regarding maps, but to be clear, a satellite map with a fog of war type revelation is in the cards. So that's cool. You know, again, we I'd love to see this um, in a future dev stream, but um, we we definitely got a little clearer about the whole map issue. You know, maps have been a hardcore yes or no, um, old school versus new school mentality. Um, but, you know, I think most people with a common um, modern sense of gaming when they play, how they play, <laughs> I can't tell you some, some of the old school MMOs we've played for MMO 101 where I'm hitting the M key always you know because i'm like where's and there's no map and nothing comes up on the screen i'm like oh right <laughs> this game doesn't do that yeah. so we've, we've yeah. kind of our sensibilities have changed and i think that this uh joppa provided a lot of clarity here yeah and i, I appreciate that and i i still i i'm a little scarred you know because uh <laughs> i actually remember when they switched from the glorious stylized map of which I have two hanging on my wall here uh, in Vanguard to the satellite version. And while I think the satellite version is totally beautiful and, you know, it's more detailed and all that. And, you know, Vanguard did have a, you are here triangle, yeah. but it, it, there is something about losing that stylized map that I might miss a bit. If if we do the satellite approach, I'm not even going to lie. That's fair. Uh, even though I'm sure it's so hard, man. I'm sure I'll be one to have like a satellite version of the map, like player created, on my my second monitor. You yeah. know, it's just it, it's so funny. Uh, like the tendencies we have and we're attached to because. You know, e EQOA, I printed out like a four page by four page. La I laminated it with tape and <laughs> all this stuff. And, you know, it's very nostalgic. Um, but just knowing the lay of the land, um, I'm still on board with the not having a UR here. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how they do it. But I am glad that they're a little more open on just having something in game to like, it's so much easier just to hit M than like, tab out and or have you yeah. know have to get a second monitor or something just to have like kind of a general lay of the land and yeah. so i i think i'm on board yeah I'm, I'm glad he punched yeah it. me too and and like to be honest like if they don't have it you're just gonna have it on the second monitor anyway right like what's the pr you know there's no you're gonna you're gonna get to you're gonna get a map no matter <laughs> what you do so um yeah anyway 
Where are my slippery slope people in the, <laughs> oh, they're, in the chat? They're here. there, trust me. <laughs> we can't see them, but they're there. <laughs> so anyway, you know, at the, the end of the day, um, Ajapa had a, a, what I think was the line of the uh, stream where people are worried about Pantheon's timelines. He said they've, ex- they've surpassed mm-hmm. their own expectations with regard to timelines. So that's what you want to hear. You know, this is, this is where we're at, at the stage of development where they're, they're beating their own expected timelines and uh, are excited about that. So that's good. Mm-hmm. So that's a recap of the dev stream. Go watch it, everybody. Did you have anything else you wanted to add on that, Des? Are we good? No, no. Okay. <laughs> I'll keep going because that dev stream was so dense. It was. Like, actually, I do want to, um, if you guys in the community would like me to go through the, the technical side of the dev stream, uh, talking about Unity, Houdini, Gaia, trying to maybe break that down into a bit more bite-sized kind of content. Um, I don't usually make videos for this channel, but since this seems to fall more in line with my interests, uh, let me know if you guys would want me to put something together to be both technical and digestible for for the layperson as I try to explain, you know, game dev stuff. you, to maybe help put content. You should totally do that. I don't care what the community says. I'm saying yes, do this <laughs> because I want to see this. I think that would be awesome, Desert, if you did that. I mean, geez, Louise, that's a great idea. So yeah, and that actually leads perfectly into what I want to talk about next. Just a quick update, uh, Pantheon.plus update for us here. Um, on the screen right now, you're seeing our weekly schedule, which I'm going to try to include every week when I try to imprint it on my memory to do so. Uh, um, <laughs> so this, like I mentioned before, you can see what we're working on. So if Desrin, you were to do a video about uh, technical stuff like that, we would put it up here and people could see when it's going to go up, when it's <laughs> going to go live. Right now you can see on Monday, you've got Drax Midnight Streams, Drax Midnight Monday Streams, which actually sounds kind of weird, kind of explicit, but I don't think it is. But <laughs> I go to bed before Drax Midnight Streams, so I have no idea what he's doing on those streams. So I'm just trusting that he's staying out of trouble. <laughs> um, hey, maybe I'll show up. Yeah, yeah, do it. Now we're getting, now we're talking. (laughs) (laughs) You can see that uh, the bait part two, which we're going to do a little later in the show here, but the entirety of it, uh, I'm going to put into a video that's going to go live on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning. And then later in the week, we've got Wizen doing the fan fiction that he's been writing um, over on the website at www.pantheon.plus. So there's the schedule for the week. I also want to remind folks that uh, we've got the uh, forums are live over at the website as well. And I actually transcribed, if you remember back from the September dev stream with Wild's End, uh, Ronick was reading some lore by JN about each of those areas. So the Galdasi ruins, uh, the well pond, all that kind of stuff. I actually transcribed those and I've put them over on the forums under the lore section there if you want to go check that out and read them. And uh, yeah, so quick, uh, quick update on what we're up to. And uh, that is it for this week's VR News and Notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion's all about. All right. As with any new reveal, the dev stream has stirred up no shortage of controversy. And that's right, guys. We're going to be talking about the recently revealed Refer a Friend stuff. Um, And if you didn't know, uh, Refer a Friend programs are often employed in um, not just Kickstarter games, but uh, it, it is very common in them. It uh, basically means you refer someone to a project, they buy the game or pledge to the game, uh, and the person that referred out uh, gets some sort of reward. Uh, sometimes it goes both ways. Uh, you know, it, There's a lot of ways to do it, but that's kind of the general uh, rundown of the usual refer-a-friend program. Um, you know, Maybe you've been to a coffee shop or something that does this as well. But uh, this week, I'm going to pull a thread about um, the new Refer-A-Friend program, and it's titled Refer-A-Friend, Please Don't Do This to Me <laughs> by Grimseed. Uh, this is on the official forums, okay? Now, this thread is going to touch on a lot of things um, that I think are going to come up continuously in the coming months because this is a kind of big drop. Um, so while it might get a little spicy, I thought it'd be best to start talking about it sooner, like right after the stream, you know? Mm-hmm. <sighs> so <laughs> here's, here's the thread. 
So I'm going to quote Grim Seath on this since it's the uh, original poster. Okay. So you have refer a friend now. That's fine, I guess. But please, I beg you, remove the in-game rewards. Uh, and that's of the three nameplates and two titles. Uh, <laughs> and Grimsey says, I have no friends, never have, never will, least of all friends who play MMOs. Please, don't make these five items exclusive to me forever. If you need money, let me help. I'll pay for these five items. Let me give you money. <laughs> don't, just don't require every player to have 10 friends. Please think of the, uh, some alternatives for players who have no one to refer. So, yeah, wow, right, right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Where to start? Yeah, I'm not really sure exactly how to address like kind of the overarching theme of that um, other than to say like, Grimseeth, I'll be your friend. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, um, there's a lot I want to, I want to respond to that with, but let's, let's, yeah, I think you're right. You've got the right starting point. Like let's look, let's remember that this is two things. A, it's a crowdfunded game and B, it's a social game, right? Let, let's mm-hmm. start from those premises. And I think that we can, we can move forward from there. Right. And so we'll try to move towards the, the more like mechanical side of this, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so actually we'll start with, uh, Doro- uh, Dorotea, um, saying, I'm not sure what the problem is here that you cannot get every title in the game and every nameplate if they gate behind some referrals. <laughs> And that's the first thing I thought of was the fear of missing out, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we've talked about that on the show before. Uh, now, without going down that completely, uh, I do think we should talk about it. Maybe, maybe like leave some comments about how you, how you feel about like the fear of missing out side of refer a friend, maybe. Um, but we're gonna kind of get into some of the potential like pitfalls of the program, but I still want to kind of hear what people think on that. It's just, I know we've talked about it a little bit before. Yeah. Um, so Vic says, Oh, no, 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 go ahead. You're right. I just, I'm, I'm having a hard time okay. holding back my, <laughs> my thoughts on this. I know, I know. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll open it up here in a second. I just want to get some responses, get some stuff, the juices flowing, you sure. know? Um, so we've got Vic saying, I could care less about the items. The when it's ready game, starting a refer a friend before alpha, which is really before beta, is just in poor taste. So we've got a few things to work with now. <laughs> so we've got a refer to a friend program that potentially serves, you know, specifically people that have uh, folks either not already interested in Pantheon. Uh, or, or pledge to Pantheon, or people that want to up their pledge, because that is um, part of the program. Um, the fear of missing out, and uh, the the timing. <laughs> okay, okay. So those are the two so far. Those are the two pillars of of checklist of complaints. Okay. All right, and then we've got Philo here saying, I wouldn't do that to people at this stage. That wouldn't make me a good friend, as in referring people. Like VR has said about their own advertising, it's not time for that yet. It's just setting your friends up for disappointment. The game is still way too far away for this. So I see Philo kind of saying like, hey, (laughs) I think it would be irresponsible to refer my friends now. Uh, Okay, I, 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 I can't hold back any further, but like Go I'm, for it. I'm going to let it. loose We're- here because this is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is a this is the stage of the game where it, like this is a crowdfunded game. They want to get people in, like get people in now, bring people in now, and start building. Like they're determining the timeline. Like how are we the objective observers as to when the timeline is to do this? This is the decision that's been made in terms of the game is at this stage. So you're saying it's way too early how are you assessing that? You know, how are, what basis is the assessment for that being made? Because, you know, the more people that are supporting this game, the more people that are pledging are bringing in pledges. That's, that's, you know, one of the reasons 
that we are doing what we do is because we like building community and building communities, building community for Pantheon brings it to reality more quickly, more thoroughly and, and more assuredly. And um, mm-hmm. the, the, the idea that we're not there yet, like how can you entice, what are you going to entice people with in terms of rewards at a later stage, right? When the game's uh, six months from launch, like what are you, what are you enticing people mm-hmm. with then? There's nothing left. You know, the game's on its way. Yeah. Potentially more destructive rewards. Right. right? Then you've got to start promising in-game <laughs> things. This is, there's titles and stuff here and we'll get to this, but right now you've got alpha beta potentially pre-alpha and the pre-alpha isn't one of the rewards on this so i'm acknowledging that i'm just saying that there's a but alpha and beta yeah alpha and beta are um you've got a really wide range of potential rewards here that have nothing to do with being in the game you know um it's just i can't disagree with this many more (laughs) yeah i mean it's kind of a, a fundamental pillar of what we do is like bringing people into pantheon even though the game's not done because the community is here yeah. Um, and like kind of embracing that this is a, a social experience as much as it is a gaming experience. Um, so I think I'm with you on that. I I see all of these concerns and uh, I I think one of my uh, one of the best takes I think I see here was uh, Manuk yeah. saying that they like, if they refer to anyone, they'd have to be in the same mindset that current backers are in. And I would say that they totally should That's a be. good point. Yeah, like, that's a good point. I agree with yes, that. Be responsible, inform people, but like refer a pre- refer a friend doesn't necessarily have to mean like get a bunch of people into the game that don't know anything about the game, don't know, you know, don't have any stake in the process. Yeah. It's actually, I think, a great opportunity for us to do it right. <laughs> you know? It's not asking anybody to go and be like a used car salesman. You know, this is not what you're they're yeah. not saying, like, you know, go out and preach to people. It's like, no, if, if you know somebody who might be interested in, a, in an MMO, a new MMO, you know, tell them to check it out and say, hey, man, like if you pledge to the game, like if you choose to, whether you do or not, just mention my name and, you know, there's there's potential for for me to get something out of it like there's nothing wrong with doing that the people who are posting these you know responses having criticisms and concerns these are people who have pledged you know like they have they're they're on the (laughs) true forums (laughs) they've already given their money you know like whatever it is uh, you know the lowest amount is fine but that's you've bought into it at some point so why would you not tell a friend about that why would you not mention to that to a friend right right and i (laughs) Like I said, I feel some of the concerns because there are other games in the industry. Uh, like I said, Refer a Friend is pretty common for uh, crowdfunded games. It's pretty common for games in general, uh, post-release especially. But uh, it even happens in early access and, and stuff like that. And I got to say, like the first thing that came to mind was Star Citizen. Right. Um, and their system, actually, it suits their model. It wouldn't work for <laughs> it wouldn't work for Pantheon. But what's interesting about their system is it rewards both parties, and we'll we'll get to this a little bit. Uh, and but the incentive is actually so small. It really is so small. It's it's absolutely insignificant. And so what I'm seeing here with the rewards, it's like, yeah, you get some titles and you know what whatever. Like most people aren't even gonna display that, yeah, right? It's exactly. just gonna be tucked away yeah. somewhere. But it it actually generates more free pledges. Yeah. Yeah. Because alpha and beta access are part of the rewards. So yeah. <laughs> by doing this, we're actually granting access to more people to play the game before they buy it. Yeah. yeah, you know, exactly. And um if you look at the value of some of these rewards just in terms of like some of the um you know, the pledges, the access that comes along with them if you if you compare that to the cost, um it's significant. Like these are a good value. I, I can't see anybody not wanting, you know, being considered a bad friend or something like that for saying, "Hey, can you just mention my name?" because I think that these are a good value for us. I'm, if I have a concern in all this, to be honest with you, Des, my concern is that VR is being 
too i i don't want to say giving think too much away for free but there's a lot in terms of game time um pledges uh you know uh, they're giving away a lot of valuable things to try and build up the people who are interested in this game so i don't know but i mean they've obviously done the cost benefit analysis on this um and I, I'm glad that it's obviously something that's going to work for them. But I'm saying is that right. if you think this isn't valuable, I think you're kind of missing the mark. I, I definitely believe that a uh, refer a friend program is like, it was bound to happen. I, I, I know people were already asking about it in the past, like even several years ago, actually. I, I remember a, a forum post that was kind of pleading for that feature and it's just so effective and implemented well it's so non <laughs> uh manipulative or i guess it, it's just hey here's a, a a small bonus or in this case potentially big bonus for honestly very little like mm-hmm. you know the the refer a friend caps out at 10 people yeah. um yeah. It, it's not like like I, and this is one side of the star citizen system that just doesn't work is, you know, you could get so much if you refer so many people, like a, a lot of people. Um, and I don't even know if there's like, I don't even know what the last reward is. Cause it's just so many, you know, people <laughs> really, uh, and, and we'll, we'll get to that at the end of, you know, potentially how people might end up trying to do that. But so I'm already thankful. Like we've got 10, 10 people. And it's, you know, titles, some access, but, you know, the people referring out already have, you know, (laughs) access. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it just seems to really like, what's the word, innocuous? Yeah, Yeah. it does seem innocuous. It it does seem innocuous. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have other comments, but maybe I'll just hold off on on continuing on any sort of mini rant for now <laughs> yeah and i i don't i don't want to like uh you know if you guys are listening i don't want to come against you guys super hard because like it, i understand being concerned about how uh, a project is conducted in its its way of making money mm-hmm. that it's not manipulative to its audience we've we've just seen so many bad bad examples right yes. <laughs> um and and i'm not going to deny that uh however what we have is just a really basic system and I think it it's just what they needed and I think it's going to be effective and I don't think it's going to have negative consequences for the game honestly. Uh I I even thought of my my friend uh, I think I mentioned on the air who just jumped into Pantheon. He in fact didn't want me to explain much about it and he jumped right into VIP. Nice, yeah. Um <laughs> because he just was like yeah, I mean, something you're interested in, like, I I think it's probably going to be good. Don't tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> and and so in my head, while I want to know everything about something I'm digging into, uh, like, I try to explain stuff, <laughs> right? Because I think everyone in this community, we've been here, you know, uh, or most people in this community have been here a, a long time. And so we've already got that preface that we're giving people. We're already like holding off people and saying like, yeah, it's probably not time yet. It's probably not time yet. This doesn't mean you need to like rope them in right now. I don't think refer a friend is going anywhere. Like yeah. I, it, it's not like they said limited time only. <laughs> like they're not trying to squeeze a quick buck. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> and, it, and, uh, I think Manuk also was the one that he had some ideas about like having it go both ways instead of just being a reward for the person referring out, which I honestly, I think that would be a kind of cool thing. So, you know, the person you're referring gets a little something too. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could see something like that. Um, sure. Now, uh, this is the big thing that, uh, yeah. I, I think is actually going to be talked about a bit more and that's, uh, so uh, Kalak had some uh, 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 brought up something I saw in the chat in uh, Twitch when they're like during the dev stream. People are already talking yeah. about this, and that's regarding streamers yeah. and refer a friend programs. <laughs> so, and Kalak is actually kind of he's recommending that uh, perhaps streamers should be or professional streamers should be barred <laughs> from the program since they have a disproportionately large audience. And they suggest having a separate program specifically for streamers. So this is the big one. This is saying, like, 
is it fair? Is our refer a friend programs fair for people that have large audience that are likely to uh, to donate when recommended a thing? I, someone mentioned like Co is going to mention it on his stream yeah. and and suddenly that's what I said last <laughs> night on Pantheon Plus U. That was my comment because. Oh yeah, and it's, <laughs> you know, there's no doubt about that. There is no doubt that that will happen. Um, but is it fair? It's absolutely fair. It's ten is the max. You know, ten is the max. Yep. Seriously, like I could go out tell somebody about this game and say, hey, if you can find ten people who might be interested, you know, and, and they pledge because they you told them about it. I think that could be pretty successful. I, we live in very connected communities. If you can't get 10 people, and I'm not like judging anybody. I'm just saying like, like streamers deal with much greater numbers than what we're talking about here. That's mm-hmm. one point. The other point of this is nobody's missing out on anything. Like these are not must have requirements. These are not must have things in the game. These are titles. Like you said, titles, access, there's really nothing that, you know, you, right. you can't get um, on your own, for one, through pledging just to begin with. You know, like, these aren't must-haves. They're, they're, they're benefits. They have to have some tangible value for the program to work at all. But, you mm-hmm. know, I, I did say earlier that they're valuable from a monetary standpoint. They are. But in terms of, like, for your progression in the game or anything like along those lines, they're meaningless, you know, they're meaningless. Yeah. It's it's not like we have like a, oh, every 50 people you refer to, you get, you know, 5,000 gold yeah. in game at the start of, <laughs> you, you know, if, at launch, that was right? The case. <laughs> How crazy that would be. But that that's actually the Star Citizen system. Oh my God. I, I actually just threw that in there. Um, like I said, their stuff, they're set up a little differently. <laughs> but, but yeah, like it's not like they're even offering things that have like, uh, what's the word um effectual benefit mm-hmm. uh in, in the game and i mean it if you have to collect every single title and every single thing in the game i think you're going to be disappointed with pantheon yeah. already well there's already even not counting refer exactly just throwing that there's out already there. legacy stuff from the kickstarter that nobody else will have you know, there are titles and stuff from the legacies, from the legacy uh, Kickstarter pledges and packages that aren't going to be available to anybody else except for those people who pledge during the Kickstarter. So you're already screwed. If that's yep. your if that's your hang up, you're already screwed. <laughs> so, I mean, yep. collecting titles, seriously, like any of these titles, you said it earlier. I'm not if I were to get any of these, I'm not I'm not even going to display them because I don't I don't yeah. care about that kind of stuff. That's not that doesn't mean anything to me. Um, so. You know, you're worried about streamers. You know, I really would encourage somebody who is concerned about that to take a look and say, what is Pantheon really about? Like, what is really going to be important in this game? Um, you know, it's about the friendships you make. It's about the connections you have and the, the good times you have playing with other people. It's not about titles. It's not a pet collection game where you're trying to collect every one of them, you know, like, uh, you know, we, we have those games. They're out there already. You can go play that right now. Yeah, and I, I think um, as this topic kind of matures, I honestly, I think it's going to fade away. But I, I, I see it as being a bit of a, you know, it's definitely one of the sticking points. And we talked about a lot of the technical side of the dev stream. And there are definitely some sticking points from that. But I think since this kind of, uh, it's outside of the game, and it's just... Because it has to do with money. Yeah, of course, <laughs> you know? right, of course. It's just, it's bound to, to have some implications. And But honestly, guys, we all want this game to happen, right? And uh, I'm not saying we sacrifice our morals. Uh, I'm saying, hey, uh, VR came up with a wonderful solution in comparison to the rest of the industry. Yeah. I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah. And honestly, guys, I'm... I'm not really going to be trying for referrals. I have like two people that are waiting to pledge uh, and I'm still going to hold off because I don't think they're ready. Yeah. And if that's, if that's you, <laughs> if you're one of the people that's discouraging your friends currently, because it seems like it's going to be a while for Pantheon, 
don't participate. It's totally yeah. fine. Some people will, and it'll bring in a little bit extra money, help the game get going, and potentially help the game mature so that your friends that you're waiting to talk about Pantheon with, you'll be able to talk about them a little bit quicker because of this. Exactly. Guaranteed. Exactly. Well said. Well said. That's that's perfect. Um, you know, <laughs> right. so I think that's a great way to sort of tie it all together. Whew. Well, <laughs> what a discussion. Right? <laughs> Fun. I like that so, one. Uh, yeah, this, uh, this was a, a, quite a topic. Um, and as usual, you know, let's, let's hear it in the comments, what your take is. Um, maybe if you have some things we didn't bring into this, um, I, I actually genuinely want to hear every side of this, uh, cause I know me and Theric were kind of on, you know, we're pretty far on the, the supportive side, you mm -hmm. know, so feel free to let us know, but, um, we've got some community stuff, uh, as usual. And, um, we actually got a introductory post this week on the official forums from none other than Nemufe. Mm -hmm. Um, it's great. I think a lot of us here already know of Nemufe, uh, it, just, you know, art and stuff like that. Uh, but officially they posted on, oops, they posted on, uh, the forums. Yeah. And so that's awesome. Go say hello again, or glad you're. <laughs> so yeah, if you're looking at the um, the fun artwork pictures of both me and Desrin on the YouTube uh, thumbnail or wherever you're looking at us, that that's done by Nemufe. That's commissioned artwork that yeah. that they um, provided, and uh, it's awesome. We've done the whole Pantheon Plus team. We've gotten uh, portraits done for everybody. Nemofe also does uh, comics, which they post on Twitter um, when they've done them, and, and they've been liked by Joppa. They've been liked by other oh, members yeah. of the Pantheon Plus team. I know uh, Minus really enjoyed them. He was always very uh, enthusiastic about about Nemofe's comics. Uh, great sense of humor, great artist, and a great person. So go uh, go over to the forums and uh, say hi. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I know you already mentioned Wizen. Um, but they have a uh, new addition to the Journal of H. Weissen, Thales Red, um, page seven this time. And uh, I, I did read through this one uh, because I saw it had to do with the scar. <laughs> and maybe it's just our discussion <laughs> yeah. from last week. <laughs> the lips, yeah. <laughs> but it was just, it's really fun because it's from the, uh, the take of a person in the world, right? And, uh, and I, I just, I love That's it. Horrible. I love it. it. It already tickles me on how you know players are going to maybe even just semi rp about scar in the world it's going to be so fun. maybe maybe i'll do like a, an audio reading of this from a scar perspective and do some crazy voice modification and <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll read wisen's fan fiction at some point yeah <laughs> um and <laughs> lastly i got a shout out to uh ben and i's post on pantheon.plus last sunday uh, regarding the like speculation about what might be shown in the upcoming HDRP stream, uh, which <laughs> a lot was revealed. Mm -hmm. And I think he's going to have a lot to go through now that the stream is passed. But it was an awesome, like really in-depth article. And, uh, and I've, I just want to say, I hope to see another, uh, no pressure. Yeah. He, he does amazing work in breaking down the map. He's so smart when it comes to just reading into things in terms of looking at the map and, and trying to figure things out. Um, I, part of my brain actually, and I, it's, you know, probably not the case, but part of my brain thinks that when VR was putting this last stream together and, and showing all these, you know, these huge satellite view maps, they might've had his work in mind and say like, oh yeah, figure this out. <laughs> you know, like here's a ginormous thing. Let's see what you got now. Yeah. You know? So I doubt that's true, but I'm going to believe it anyway. I mean, when, when Kyle just like laid on the scroll wheel and just started yeah. zooming out, you know, <laughs> 20 minutes like, later. Oh, dude, there's people are going to go through that frame by frame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. great. So great. Well, anyway, that is it for this week's community discussions. Sit back and relax. It's time for the lore you know. Well, my friends. At long last, we have arrived at the finale of the bait part two. So I'll give you a little recap of what happened last time. Dothane finds himself hanging upside down in a strange place before losing consciousness and being enveloped in the memory of how he arrived there. 
And then he recalls being aboard a ship bound for the Didiglian Vells with Bell Iris and Araka Mel. Bell Iris hints at what awaits Dothane in the Vells, but doesn't quite reveal it quite yet. <clears throat> As the ship arrives on the shore, the uh, ship's captain, who was poorly voiced by me, by the way, um, warns <laughs> of the signs of uh, warns of the signs and attempts to leave the party uh, leave once the party has disembarked, only to have her vessel encased in ice to prevent that. So now let's hear the thrilling conclusion of the bait part two, which is from the official lore of Pantheon, as penned by Visionary Realms lore master J.N. Gerhardt. At the top of the rise, the island opened wide before us, forming a wide expanse that was, as I had believed, utterly devoid of life. But here, there were no boons either, only a few simple structures that hung from the white rocks in places, and most of these were badly broken. The ground was a curious mix of tiny rocks, smaller than pebbles but thicker than sand, and streaks of broken, reddish glass. Do you know the history of the Vels? Belaris asked me. I nodded, though she sensed my knowledge was wafer thin. She continued as if I had claimed ignorance. Once a series of thriving port islands, the Didiglian Vales have been abandoned for thousands of years. Though it seems impossible now, this expense was once a fertile oasis of the seas, a respite for countless ships and sailors. Yet it came under the force of great tremors in the deep, and the city could not survive. I looked around for any sign of this heralded past, but it was, as she said, impossible to see. Yet, it wasn't the shaking of the earth alone that finished Idiglia. It was the beasts that lived below the surface who were awakened and given access to the city by the violence of undeath. The great Didiglian weir, a creature of immense size and ferocity. These weir can often only dwell in the depths of Terminus, where they feast on the young dragons of the earth. Yet, where gaps in the mantle of the planet arise, there are tales of weir dwelling nearer to the surface, devouring all life until they die of starvation or old age. At this, I heard the drumbeat of the captain begin again, though somehow it seemed as if she stood right between us. We will coax a weir out of hiding, Dothane. You will be our bait. Suddenly I woke once more. I was inside the cave again. The insect creatures gathered around my helpless body in even greater numbers. Their movements were rhythmic now, a clicking that hailed a change in their disposition. It seemed that some of them were being driven mad, lashing violently at one another, kicking filth and bile onto me as they skirmished and slew each other. In their fury, I began to remember everything in between the drumbeats and now. I remembered the trek we three took farther into the empty island, the wide expanse of terrain we found as suitable for our ploy. I recalled Bell Iris giving me one last chance to change my mind, and Arachamel nodding when I did not. I remember the tremors in the ground, deep but always on the move. I remember the words of the mother mage as I stood alone amidst the desolate expanse, just before the fury of her magic came down upon the rocky soil. We must make this word think we are a large, noisy meal, or else it will not waste the strength to reach the surface. Thus, I will shake the ground as you have never known, but I swear to you and to your king I will not harm you. In every word, Belira spoke the truth. She brought a rain of arcane terror upon the ground, causing ripples and surging rock reducing some of it to sand. It fell in cadence like a drum, pounding over and over, shaking the earth beneath my feet in terrifying percussion. When the barrage subsided, I was to run to the very spot she was raising, then wait for one last strike from above, one last face reaching toward me. The last I saw of my two companions was a Rockamel, holding Moonfell high above his head. Light glinted from the black blade toward my tiny speck of the expanse, a promise of future deliverance I took to heart. Then the weir broke through the earth, its body larger than any creature I had ever seen, surging through the air with a terrifying roar. The weir bowed back toward the earth suddenly, its unbreakable beak open wide, cut into six parts, just as Bell Iris had described, though thereafter I confided to her that such depth of detail would not be necessary. Yet it was not this beak I was concerned with, it was the things that hid on the wall of flesh behind the beak, a curious artifact of the creature's creation. Six massive eyes, five searching for the non-existent party, and one trained wholly on me. The creature hissed in disappointment and dove at me, swallowing my entire body and turning everything black. Thus, I was never in a cave, but inside the weir. The shuddering movements of the walls were the tremors of the weir, moving through the earth. It seemed it was angry, perhaps even furious, at our deception. 
Bell Iris told me these weir were now very old, likely near starvation and exhausting Didiglia as a resource ages ago, though some cultures over the centuries had used the islands as a prison colony, with obvious results, and some believed the ruins of the port to be laden with hidden riches. The insects living inside the weir were welcomed guests, cleaning whatever meals the parent creature swallowed and tossing the body into the acid pit of the weir's stomach. This was the stench I had smelled. In turn, the weir kept the insect species alive by letting them nest and nibble on its insides, forming a twisted symbiosis. The eyes of the weir were our prize. For reasons I was not permitted to know, Belliris, Causus, and yes, even the Dawn wanted one. But there was no way to access them from outside, for the beak was truly unbreakable. Thus, some unfortunate soul needed to venture within the beast, one who would not faint at the stench, at least not right away. Lastly, someone who would not forget where they placed Belliris's bloom, and I had not, for it was locked safely away in the heel of my boot, fastened to the ceiling of the weir's four-stomach chamber. Thus, as the insects worked themselves into a greater frenzy, I began to sing the words of Rifel's winter sorrow. My mouth was still parched and caked with the soil of the surface, yet I found a strange cold filling my mouth even as I spoke the words aloud. Mercifully, I did not have long to wait, though neither did I have long to prepare myself. The endless winter of the tenebrous tundra was unleashed within the body of the weir. There began a bright, radiant glow that arrested the furious insects and caused them to click in the slow, curious movements. The didiglian lurched suddenly, as the incandescent light became a wind, then frost, then storm, and last a blizzard. Wherever the blue light traveled, frozen death followed, snaking up and down the cavernous throat of the writhing beast, pushing it violently toward the surface. The entire space froze, then cracked, then froze again, and I hung amidst it all, wondering if this was at long last the moment the tenebrous would claim my life. Yet there came a sudden shuddering within the weir, a final frozen exhalation, then everywhere fell silent. One of my feet had broken free, the boot which held the bloom, yet I remained fastened by the other to the ceiling. I had never felt such cold, yet also such relief. I was not my father, but I had one such victory as him, defeated as I must have looked at the time. The bloom let out a few final rays of blue, illuminating the ice-laden belly of the beast and all its insectoid decorations, then turning into a quiet crystal once more. I was shivering in the dark for whatever came next, yet once more, I need not wait long. The belly of the didiglian opened in a long, wet gash, layers upon layers of membranes sundered with a series of powerful strokes, each one louder and closer than the previous. I knew the sound of that blade, remembered its melodic hum. It was Moonfell, cutting through the body of the didiglian with rhythm and zeal. With one final stroke, the light and sound broke open the darkness. The clawed hands of Arakamel rent the wound even further, wrenching bone and muscle apart in a final sustained tear. The dawn brought light to my upside-down form, revealing the matted mess of frosted hair, blood, and bile that I had become. He walked upon the icy ground, cracking frozen weir flesh with every step. Moonfell released me with one final swing, yet before I hit the putrid innards below, Arakamel caught me under my arm, setting me rightly upon my feet. He moved on toward the head of the weir, seeking out the eyes from within the creature itself. I drained my lungs of the last of the foul air, which the freezing had graciously reduced to within mortal tolerance. I looked after my armor, with great effort releasing it from the hold of the frozen liquids and insect bodies. It was worse for wear and would need mending, but it had endured a great trial as I had. At last I found my helmet, still in the decapitated head of the insect thief. The crack in it was even wider now, but I did not mind and hoped to somehow preserve it. After a few moments, a thin shadow crossed over the glinting expanse. The bait of Kadasa has survived. Belliris stood in the doorway of the weird wound. Light rested upon her shoulders, but the darkness on her face blended into the background. Yet those lavender eyes found mine, just as the day I saw her across Kazas' table. Shall I help you collect your things? There was a sound hidden within the twin ripples of her voice. Something I had not heard before. It was stark and clear. Light, but not the least bit delicate. It was joy, yes, unmistakable joy, for the mother mage had always carried a winsome, but at times insufferable contentment, even from the moment she first spoke my name. Yet this was something different, something pleased beyond words, and I know no other name for it but joy. 
Arakamel returned, the large weir eyes hanging tightly in a sack with ropes carefully binding the eyes individually. In his right hand, there was a single eye, which he stared into for a moment before looking at me, then back to the eye. I followed Bell Iris out of the weir, leaving Arakamel to himself. In the brightness outside of the weir corpse, I fell to the ground, breathing heavily and looking over my wounds for the first time. I had not liked to weep, yet I felt tears under my eyes and considered not how their presence reflected upon me. Bell Iris knelt beside my hunched position. And this, O Dothane of the Three Things, is your hammer. She set it upon my knees before sitting quietly for a moment. After a long quiet she stood, the dust of the Didiglian vells falling from her like snow. Must we all return home so quickly? I called after her. I should think we made a suitable group, did we not? Belaris turned to the dead weir. Arakamel exited its massive corpse with a bag of eyes and a clean, empty hand. Quite suitable, she said. In the silence, I traced my memories back to my youth, searching for a moment where I anticipated the ache of longing as I did now. I could find but a few such moments. But my dear Dothane, our homes are not where they once were. Not anymore. I nodded, resting hammer in my palm, thinking of both its past and wondering at its future. We are the few, she replied in one voice. The few who must find the many. And that's the lore you know. And I hope you guys enjoyed that because I know that was a little long. It's about, I think it's about 12 minutes there, maybe a little less. Um, so it's, uh, but I, I wanted to get the conclusion all in one because it's a very exciting desert. I know you were super stoked about it last week when we talked about it. Oh my god! The way that this story concludes <laughs> with, and I'm, I'm, I don't even want to say anything. I know you just listened to it, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody who maybe, you know, accidentally fast forwarded or something like that. So we'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is an amazing story. I cannot wait to um, continue to uh, delve into the lore and get some more lore, hopefully from Jayon soon. But there's still lots of stuff in the past that we can we can read through, and, and I'm looking forward to doing more of that. Oh yeah, so good. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, hear your full length um, when it's uh, like posted on on YouTube. Yeah. I'm gonna totally listen through it again because. Uh, I mean, we've been doing it segmented, uh, and you've been doing it very smartly. You know, splitting it up very nicely. But, uh, oh, man, I am going to just listen to this all the way through because <laughs> this story, for some reason, just hits me yeah. um, in Pantheon lore. So thanks so much for doing this, man. Right on, man. No problem. It's awesome. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I'm glad you too. Everybody seems to really had I've had positive feedback around it from it all around. So, Desrin, thank you again, as always, for being by my side for this. You are a hard working dude, and I thank you each and every week. And also to everyone out there for hanging out with us today. Um, as always, if you'd be so kind as to leave a like on the YouTube video or a rating on your podcast platform of choice. Again, it helps the show get discovered and potential new Pantheon folks coming into the community. And uh, with that, I will leave it there and say have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next time. So long, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Pantheon Plus is not affiliated with Visionary Realms. Be sure to check out our Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube channels under the name Pantheon Plus. You can follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter and Desrin at Desrin Does also on Twitter. And you can stay up to date with all things Pantheon at www.pantheon.plus. Until next time, cheers and thanks for listening.